1: Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. We want to start today's episode by saying a big, huge thank you to everybody who joined us for our very first dystopian festival. We were so excited just to talk about one of our favorite genres, teaching dystopia, and then to see over 2,000 people join us who were if not as excited when they joined, just about as excited by the time they were done with the festival. So thank you. Thank you to everybody who joined us. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, or if you didn't get a chance to finish it all, or if you're like, what are you talking about? Dystopian Festival, uh, the beginning of the year has been hard for me, or I'm just finding you. We still have material available for you. You can still access it. We've got some extended passes and that sort of thing. If you head to the show notes or gravenuteaching.com, check out our dystopia festival. But that is not what today's episode is about, friends. Today's episode is actually a rerun of one of our favorite episodes when we talked all about different strategies and ideas and methods for using Gothic literature in the classroom. And we just thought the timing was right. It's October. We're ready to get kind of spooky, Gothic-y. What do you think, Amanda? Hi.
0: Hi, by the way. Hello. It's so good to see you and everyone else who's listening. I know I can't see you, but I'm happy we're here together again. I want to start with a PSA. And that PSA is, okay, I've had a couple conversations with teachers and like people I know around here and even online who say things to me like, well... I don't have a Gothic unit or I don't have time because I'm doing a different novel. So I don't really do anything with Halloween or with Gothic literature in my class. I don't have time. And so my PSA is you don't have to be in a unit that correlates with Gothic literature. You don't have to be in a place to take a big break, to do something fun for the holiday. I highly recommend that you get your planner out do a little backwards planning today. You're listening right now, backwards plan the Halloween. I think this year is on a Sunday. So that guarantees the Friday before that weekend will be crazy in school, whether or not you're like totally like on it, your classroom management is hundred percent. Like no one ever acts out like the sugar rush that will be going through the veins of your children Is gonna be there, okay? The only crazier day than Halloween
1: or like the days just surrounding or right before Halloween is Valentine's Day. So
0: like you've got the second craziest day upcoming, (laughs) and it's coming whether or not you're teaching the world's most serious unit on Jane Eyre or you're like, oh, which actually would be perfect because that's actually yeah. I was just gonna say, back up, sorry, back up. I'm on a Jane Eyre these days. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's uh, that was actually not a good example. Whatever it is that you're doing, even if it doesn't feel related. Finish your lesson on Thursday and give yourself Friday to do something fun. And this episode is all of that. We have high school teachers, middle school teachers. We have special teachers who are, you know, have more like nuanced, really cool ideas. There are lots of unique ideas here in this episode that only take one or two class periods at most and are super easy to implement and really might just give you a break and your kids a break. They might just need that. I know this whole uh, you know, dystopia week that we were working, I was so focused on content and so focused on units. I remembered what it was like in the classroom when you really get into the heat of your planning that you have to remember to be able to step back and give yourself a break to do something a little out of the mold sometimes. And that's totally okay. And we want to give you all those ideas and permission to use them.
1: And they're not just fun ideas, but they're rigorous, engaging, yes. curricular things that you can do that just sometimes, like Amanda said, we all just need a little breath, right? And so if it fits into your curriculum, fantastic. Take that breath and keep the train a moving. If you need to take a pause, once again, 2021 is the perfect year to be able to do that because Halloween is on a Sunday, meaning you can take that Friday or even November 1st, you could go sure. into some Gothic, Day
0: of the Dead sort of things. So... My actual favorite activity, I don't think I talked about it in the other episode, is we celebrate Day of the Dead. And I have my students research dead poets. And then we have a little reading and everyone reads a little something from their poet who has passed on. And we kind of just very lightly research and celebrate some poets. And that's it. And it's a, it's a break and it's fun. Kids are practicing research. They're presenting, they're doing poetry. I mean, all of that. And that's so, so simple. I will link it in the show notes for you if you're interested, but these other people, let me remind you who's featured in this episode. Cause we have some amazing teachers. Um, Stacey Amanishi from Donut Love and Teacher. She's with us today in this episode. Uh, my dear friend, Patrick Johnson, who you all probably don't know, but I worked with, uh, we were lucky to be colleagues for a while. His story is all about when he taught a horror class. He actually taught a horror senior elective. Yeah. At our, at our school, my wonderful friend, Susan Barber, she's an AP lit teacher uh, and her segment's all about Frankenstein, um, and some really cool tone and mood writing, not just the novel. Um, Ashley Bible is with us to share her ideas, Vanita Grant as well. So all of these amazing educators, um, and finally Bryn McGinn, um, these, another a middle school teacher. So you've got the whole range and we are so pumped for you to give this a listen if you didn't hear it last year. Absolutely. So, without any further ado, here's our
1: rerun of our episode all about teaching gothic lit. We hope you enjoy and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. We have a seasonal episode for you today. If you're listening in real time, it is October 1st, and Amanda and I are just really looking for things to get excited about. We get really excited about Gothic literature, and we have called on some of our ELA teacher friends to help us talk through some fun and cool and engaging strategies for teaching gothic literature. So this is especially a great episode for all of you ELA friends out there. If you are not an ELA friend, you might just hear a story that you want to read. So let's get started. Hi, Amanda. Happy October.
0: Hey, happy October. I've got a question for you, Marie. Okay. So if I were to reveal to you my two most massive fictional Wait, I should back up because I was going to say fictional crushes, but the crushes are real. The, the, <laughs> the men on, on the receiving end are fictional, but I really feel all of these feelings for these, these men. Um, one, one, they- <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm following. I just, okay. I just want to know if you know what these two gentlemen have in common. One, the Phantom of the Opera Okay. The Gerard Butler version, of course. Oh, okay. 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 And I'm not going to say number two because they're on the same exact level. Um, Mr. Rochester. So Mr. Rochester is like a very similar looking version of the Phantom in my head. But what is it that these two gentlemen Have have in common?
1: Long black capes and a top hat.
0: And reclusive, problematic (laughs) relationships with women. Yes, I would agree with you. i go for costumes. I'm a visual. You know, what can I say? I thought you were going to give me the literary nerd answer, considering we're talking about gothic fiction I know, but sometimes
1: my drama teacher side comes out, and I'm like, uh, you said Phantom of the Opera, and I was like, lots of blood red roses and masks, obviously.
0: They're both capy. I think Mr. (laughs) Rochester probably could have pulled off a mask, too. For sure. Probably should have sometimes, but... (sighs) Yeah, like both are not super attractive to begin with. No. But then they're like, their mental, their mind games and problematic, you know, behaviors just make them that much more attractive. Guys, I do not need a recommendation for a therapist. Yeah, I mean, really I feel like this is, this is
1: about to turn into a very different episode than we had planned. And you did not warn me about this one. <laughs>
0: I do love dark, mysterious men, um, so I did marry one. Actually by the way, I will
1: lure you to the mystic basement of an opera house and take you on his gondola through the mist.
0: On like my third date with my husband, I don't, <laughs> I I don't want to use the word lured, but he did take me to his shop where he, you know, he still works, and like the lights were on, and it was really kind of like a cave. Was there a fog machine just to really like bring it all in? No, but it was foggy. It was foggy (laughs) that night. I remember that. (sighs) Guys, you want to know how I met my husband? I went on match.com and I typed in Latino male over six feet tall. And then he was the only search result in my Well, and he was wearing
1: that half mask and that's what sold it for you.
0: (laughs) And had a striking body like Gerard Butler does in 300. It was crazy. It was such a bizarre coincidence.
2: We have got, got so to start we talking just got about married
0: on <laughs> date four. Yeah. Anyway, uh Gothic so, Lit is like my favorite thing in the whole world. I, I love it. Creative writing. And we would do like a six week unit on Gothic literature. And it was just so amazing. I know I can tell you guys before we hear from all, we have some amazing friends today that are going to share their favorite lesson plans and ideas with you for celebrating this month and doing something fun with your kids because they need a random break to do something fun. Yep. Um, but my favorite activity I ever did with my students, this is so simple, you don't even need to plan it. And it would work really well with distance or hybrid is you come up with a list of let's say 10, um, Gothic Liddy types of events that could occur in a story. So here's what I do. I tell my kids, you're going to start writing and you're going to write the whole time. So we're going to write for two minutes and I'm going to give you a prompt to start. So the prompt might be, it was a dark and stormy night, go. And they just need to write for two minutes. When that timer goes off, I give them the next sentence. And so the next sentence might be, and then the lights went out. They have to write my sentence and keep going. And then I we just repeat, 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 repeat until we get somewhere really weird and then share or discuss or publish them somehow. And it's such a fun writing activity. It's really good for the kids. Like they'll be super engaged the whole time and you can make, you can have fun with whatever the prompts are that you're giving. Um, I like to kill people off. I'll be saying, oh, you know, I can have a sentence and then he died, period. Like go, keep going. They're like, what? I'm and like you know, so they'll freak out on you. That is of so course, fun. Be really quiet if you're on a computer. All the whats will be muted, which is going to kill you a little bit. But anyway, but you get to
1: see their tiny little square like jostle up and down when they're
0: like, <laughs> "What?
1: I wasn't ready." That's, That's so, so fun simple. because, well, and like. Creative writing is so fun, but sometimes that fun gets taken away by taken away by intimidation. So chunking yes. it up like that and making them follow you along makes it much more doable. And just like, and once again, community building because everybody has to have those same elements, but they don't have to come up with it all at the same time. They can only come up with teeny little pieces as they go. It's so fun. I love that. Um, I have one of my favorite uh, gothic lit lessons and activities that I do is actually like an auditory processing activity. So we um, watch, or actually, I normally just turn the video off. We listen to a reading of The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. And before that, I will have done some sort of a um, mini lesson on mood and talking about how you know what contributes to mood, the mood of this story. And I'm going to just tell them what it is, mysterious and suspenseful. And so as they're listening, they're listening for different elements of the mood. that are listening for different character traits. And actually, I realized I should have said this before. This is a download that I have for you guys. It's a sheet that I have made with the telltale heart, and then they compare and contrast it to a modern or more contemporary, like scary or gothic type story. And I have some ideas that I'll also put in our show notes to go along with this download. So it's free download for you. It's a two-sided sheet that, um, is like a listening notes kind of a guide for listening to the telltale heart and then listening to either the teacher reading or some sort of a recording of a more contemporary, gothic or creepy, mysterious type story. Students are listening for evidence that contributes to a mysterious or suspenseful mood in each of the stories. They're listening to, uh, for character traits and evidence of character traits in like two or more characters. And then the narrator, whoever the narrator might be, what is the narrator's tone inside evidence from the story, from both of the stories. Um, It's super fun. And then after they listen, those are like their listening notes to each of the stories. It's a really fancy Venn diagram. Again, we're coming back at you. Love it. those crazy 21st century strategies called a Venn diagram. It's got telltale heart on one side. It's got whatever that other story is on the other side. And a big question at the bottom, how does the modern or contemporary story maintain the mood and tone of mystery and suspense while appealing to a contemporary audience? So it's looking at uh, audience appeal and that sort of a thing, looking at mood and tone. and It's really fun. And it's also fun because I like to turn off all the lights in the classroom and make the students, well, when I do this in the classroom, make students work by um, like battery operated tea light. <laughs> it's yes. the only thing they can use. Mood. Mood. Hashtag mood. Um, so those are our quick little ones for you. Like I said, I have a free download. If you ha- head over to our show notes at brave new but we are really not the stars of today's episode. Our amazing colleagues and friends are.
0: Are you ready? We have a keeping the wonder teacher who obviously everything keeping the wonder is about magical and all of these good things. We've got the guru of AP literature. She's here today to talk to us. We have middle school teachers who are crushing it at all different levels and grade levels. We have a college professor who also taught high school and specifically taught an entire senior level English class On villains. So, this is the kind of lineup we have for you today. These are like miniature little, if you guys remember our teacher appreciation episode, it's kind of like that, like little vignettes of different lesson plans and ideas and ways to approach um, gothic lit. Some people even have here like research into urban legends. So, there's all different interpretations of gothic lit and things to do in October. So, we are super pumped, and I will give you more info about each person after the music. Here we go. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie,
1: and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show.
0: All right, guys, I am ready to introduce to you two fabulous educators, and both of them great friends of mine, one an old friend that I used to get to work with at school every single day, and the other a brand new friend that I'm forming a wonderful friendship with online through the Instagram teacher community, which as most of you have heard, is a fabulous place to be. Connecting with other educators. So, first up, you're gonna hear from Patrick Johnson. Patrick Johnson, like I said, we worked together uh, at my high school. Patrick was not only a phenomenal English teacher, but he ran the show in terms of media studies and the journalism department at our building. Just absolute rock star stuff. We're here today to talk about, though, his senior level English courses and what he's done in terms of Gothic literature and his course all about villains in literature. He's done really cool stuff with urban legends. Uh, he's now currently at University of Iowa studying to get his PhD and teaching at the same time. Patrick can do it all and he has got quite an eye for gothic lit. Then I want you guys to hear from Vanita Grant. She is a fabulous educator, absolutely killing it in 8th grade. She is doing 8th grade English out in Los Angeles, California. This is her 19th year teaching English language arts. Can you believe it? That is true, true dedication. She's also, you know, in her spare time, uh, a lead teacher for the Teacher Support Institute at California State University, uh, Dominguez Hills. So these two educators have got really fabulous things coming up. So let's listen on in.
2: Students appreciate the macabre. They adore true crime. They love monsters and blood and guts. And let's be real, horror films are on the top of their list when they're choosing something to watch on Netflix. Gothic literature encapsulates all of those things that make sense to them during adolescence. It's a time where experimentation, fear, and the unknown intersect in their everyday lives. And teaching them Gothic literature helps them realize that these are human experiences. They are a part of the human condition that have existed for centuries they're not alone on top of that. Because as they'll see and as they read during Gothic literature, difference exists. And in reading Gothic literature, they get to see what difference actually looks like. And that, that difference, it can and should be celebrated. And as a kid, as an adolescent, as someone going through what they're going through in high school, there might be something that's equally relevant, but nothing more important than finding stories that make them feel as though they too exist. And that's what Gothic literature does. My favorite lesson in Gothic literature was entirely an experiential one. I taught a senior literature course called Villains in Literature as part of our new revised literature options, hoping to mimic a more choice-based college opportunity for our seniors, especially as they started thinking about choices post-high school. In this course, which predominantly focused on modern imaginings of the gothics, students transitioned from a deep reading of the talented Mr. Ripley to a literature circle text that had some of the modern horror classics. Both units focused on elements of the gothic in modern context. However, they also focused on a critical thinking of monstrous character or villain and how those can serve as windows or mirrors to our contemporary society. During this transition, the students embarked on a two-week mini-unit on the role of setting, place, and imagery in Gothic traditions. To learn about this more intensely and at a much deeper level than previous years, we went to an area-haunted house and conducted a textual analysis of the rooms of the house. Through this fieldwork, students were given a hands-on approach and opportunity to interact with the text. And then, they were able to ultimately use what they learned to critically read and analyze the contemporary works that followed in their literature circles. It was a brilliant, unique opportunity, but the students were able to get so much out of it because they were actually able to see the text and live the text rather than ultimately read the words of, of a novel. It made setting, place, and imagery relevant.
3: Hello, my name is Vanita Grant, and on IG you can find me at Love Teach Repeat. I wanted to stop by the podcast to discuss my favorite lesson to do during the Halloween season. Even at the secondary level, I think that it's still important and beneficial to acknowledge and participate in seasonal activities, especially this year when we are, uh, in my district, 100% distance learning until we don't know when. And I think the students, we're in week six, and the students as well as myself are all longing for some of the traditional activities, spirit weeks, um, that we kind of align in our district with um, the season's. And holidays. And so my favorite lesson involves um, students taking on the roles of uh, different disciplines. And we base it around um, the mystery um, and the gruesome story of the Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, the story is so rich and, and so full of all the elements of a great story. Um, you can dive into teaching students. This is probably one of the one of my favorite stories to teach the elements of a story and character development and um, foreshadowing and tone and mood and um, inferencing. And there's just so many skills and, and standards that I can just layer for this particular activity. So what I would do is definitely do, a, you know, a try to set I'm trying to think of how to set the scene. So in my regular classroom I would decorate the classroom and make it um, where the students will walk into a different atmosphere in a classroom transformation. So I think that with Bitmoji Rooms, and we've been really creative about trying to think about how to create a space. So that part, I'm kind of excited as to how I'm going to recreate this scene for students as we read the story for our first read, or close reading of the story. I'm very kind of excited about just the idea of implementing or planning it. Um as the students go through, we'll do a close reading and, then, you know, again, we'll go through all the different um, literary devices and, you know, identifying post style on one end. And we'll do that in a, a series of activities that I will walk the students through and we'll kind of discover together. The what I really want to talk about is that the students for will branch off into their group work. And so for this assignment, the students are going to do a TLAD, a think like a discipline a literature circle in which they're going to reread the story from the perspective of a specific discipline. And so to keep up with this mystery and this like disturbing, gruesome tone of the story, I want the students to create teams. And in the teams or lit circles, they're each going to have a specific role or task that's going to be um, based upon a a crime team or crime scene detectives, um, they've been hired and we'll create the scenario. They've been hired to, um, as a part of a legal defense and they're going to all take on different roles. And the funnest part for me is to create the critical thinking pathway and to try to figure out what, um, how I can make each discipline, um, unique and special and kind of tap the interests of students and saying, you know, I think I might want to be that um, particular discipline. So this year I'm going to expand it and have the kids have, I'm really big on student choice. So I want to have the students kind of create, have enough roles and pathways for students to be able to create um, what they're really passionate about. And so um, I'm going to have them think like a sociologist Like a crime scene investigator, like a forensic scientist, like a psychologist, like a sociologist, um, a journalist, a defense attorney, and... I'll probably think of some more before I, I finish designing this lesson. And so those are the academic disciplines that um, the groups of four to five, each person will decide which group they'll take. So, again, I'll have about eight choices for the students in a group of four or five. So each student will be able to, to choose um, which role they want to take um, as a group. Um, once they go that we're going to use the depth and complexity icons, um, Sandra Kaplan's and content imperatives as our prompts. And so each student has a pathway and kind of critical thinking questions that I will create for them. And they will take notes and kind of go through the text. They also have a research component that they're going to do. And each person looks at the story and takes notes from that perspective or that or that lens. Um, the group then has to convene and kind of discuss what they saw on that second reading based upon that perspective. And so the idea is that the students will be able to either help defend um, the, the case. It is going to be an insanity defense. And how are they going to help it hold up in court? And so they're either going to be assigned to be a part of a defense team or a prosecution team. And so um, we're going to take this very um, gory story, um, rich in all these literary elements, and the students will do that extension activity where they dive deeper into um, and get a broader view of the social, historical, political aspects of the story, and then kind of go into looking at how Poe created the story and what the impact is. And all along, keeping this tone of, 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 horror um, during the Halloween season.
1: The next two guest educators that we have to introduce to you today are two of my absolute favorite English teachers who I have met on the internet, one of whom I've actually met in person. And well, you guys have heard us gush about Ashley Bible here on this podcast before because Ashley's Keeping the Wonder Workshop is the reason that Amanda and I actually met. And this whole Brave New Teaching community is what it is and is here. So we owe a great debt of gratitude. To Ashley, and she's a wonderful person, an amazing educator. Cannot wait for you to hear her just fantastic ideas that really wake students up and they wake up their creativity and she always has something really special to share. And then right after Ashley, we have Stacy Yamanishi from the Donut Leaven Teacher. Stacy's ability to connect with her students and the space she creates in her middle school ELA classroom for students to truly be themselves and to share their personal lives. And she shares herself in a way that's true and authentic. Um, And she really is somebody, if you're not following both of these educators, you need to be, cannot wait to share with you what they have today. Let's go for it.
4: Hello, this is Ashley Babel from Building Book Love. And I'm a high school English teacher who absolutely loves the spooky season. Um, I do not have children of my own. So with my students, I use any excuse I can find to make things a little bit more special, like little like um, mom type things, such as adding in some spider webs and (laughs) uh, spooky decorations to the room. Um, And I do this because it makes, it's fun for me and it surprises the students a lot. Even though they're high school seniors, they appreciate all of my extra effort. And I love the look on their face when they walk in and I'll have some really creepy ambient sounds going. I'll have the lights dimmed and they're like, Ooh, what are we reading today, Miss Bible? Because they know it's going to be a little bit spooky. And I love that feeling. So I basically use any excuse I can to set the mood in my classroom for something spooky. It doesn't have to be um, in the fall season, but on Halloween day, especially, even though I don't uh, mention Halloween, we definitely get really spooky. So what I did last year, this was a lot of fun. I had on a floating pumpkin ambient video going on. You can find these on YouTube. Just type in like... Uh, spooky ambient sounds. I had that going. I had some spider webs on the desk. I had articles laid out. And the articles were about uh, ghosts. And I'll give you a few of the titles you can look up. One was called Haunted, 11 Novels with Emotional Ghosts. And the other was called The Origins of Ghosts in Famous Accounts in Literature. And then uh, we did some like essential questions, such as, What makes a good ghost story? Why are ghosts so prominent in literature? And then we were doing Macbeth at the time, so I threw in something to tie to that, which was why did Shakespeare include Banquo's ghost? But you really don't have to be teaching Macbeth. There's so many different ways you can tie in the idea of a ghost, like emotional or in literature, into whatever you're reading. And then so after we did that, we listened to a podcast. And I love bringing podcasts into my classroom. It is my thing. I have several blog posts about it if you want to go see that. But anyway, this one is called Spooked. And um, the specific episode we listened to is called The Night Whistler, and they have a ton of options you can listen to. You do have to preview them, but The Night Whistler is just a really, really creepy ghost story, and they were so into it. The room was silent and there was like everybody was kind of on edge and we got so many uh, good discussions after that and we tied it all back to those essential questions like what about this woman's story made it a good ghost story and 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 different emotions that she might have been facing when she experienced this ghost. So anyway, that is my spooky addition to this podcast. I uh, hope that you and your students have fun.
5: Bye. Hi, I'm Stacy, sometimes known as Donut Love and Teacher. I'm currently an 8th grade English teacher in the Los Angeles area, and thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this opportunity to share an easy-to-implement short story and activity that can engage all learners in some gothic lit. Let me start by saying that in my first couple years of teaching, I was really reluctant to read many of the texts that were in our curriculum. Just with the thought that they were written so long ago and they weren't going to be relevant or engaging to my students. Well, when it comes to spooky stories, let me set one thing straight. Middle schoolers love all the spooky vibes. So I quickly tossed out that idea that just because it's old, students won't enjoy it after reading The Monkey's Paw by WW Jacobs with my students. So the story The Monkey's Paw is about a man who makes a wish on a monkey's paw, even though a friend warns him that it's brought him lots of trouble and he even tries to toss it in the fireplace to get rid of it. Um, the story can create a pretty eerie feeling. You can read it with the lights off, or have students bring flashlights. Um, I really like to have groups of students come up with the perfect background sound effects. Um, to make while you're reading the story. The monkey's paw also lends to really great lessons and conversations about foreshadowing and mood. I found that mood can be a little tricky for students sometimes, but using the monkey's paw as an example of it can set a really strong foundation. So when I first taught this, I remember my sister was getting rid of a bunch of DVD cases. Um, I know it was a lo- it was a while ago um, that naturally I couldn't let go to waste, so I challenged my students to make DVD covers for a movie rendition of The Monkey's Paw. After we discussed ways that authors and creators establish a certain mood or feeling for their audience, the focus of their work centered around making this perfect DVD cover that fit the mood of the story and gave off that eerie, suspenseful vibe. If you're looking for some roll sheet students can use for this kind of activity, you can find it in my TPT, but really, whether you're online, hybrid, or in person, You can have students create social media advertisements using platforms like Canva, promoting this newest movie release of the story, and it'll be just in time for Halloween.
0: So these next two teachers you're going to hear from absolutely cover the spectrum of listeners that are out there right now. I want you guys to hear from Bryn Allison, better known as The One and only literary maven. You guys may know her or recognize her name from Instagram, from Teachers Pay Teachers, but probably you know Bryn as the host and moderator of the Secondary ELA, spelled with the number two, N D A R Y, Secondary ELA, Facebook group and Twitter chat. She has been moderating that and curating um, spaces for teachers to discuss. Uh, Her membership list is massive. So I'm sure you're probably in uh, her Facebook group, or you've seen a Twitter chat run by her. Um, Bryn is working in a sixth grade English language arts classroom. Um, she's worked as a reading intervention teacher in the middle school level, level excuse me, and she's also worked at the high school level. Um, today, you're going to hear from her a middle school idea uh, for a lesson that really capitalizes on um. Writing and the opportunities in this genre for drafting and rewriting and adding sensory detail. She's really got a lot of good ideas for you guys in that regard. You're also going to hear from the Queen of AP literature. So we're going to go from sixth grade to AP lit, the entire spectrum. And s- the the one and only Susan Barber, she, you guys, is one of my absolute heroes. I, I met Susan a long time ago, v- virtually, um, but I love everything she has to share about education, her her thoughts, and the way that she articulates the, the issues we face as educators and how to challenge students. I just really admire so much of her work. And Susan's lessons, today is going to walk you guys through this really cool moment where she was struck with inspiration um, and a very teachable moment as she was working through Frankenstein with her AP Lit students and really trying to help students understand why Shelley is so descriptive and so committed to setting. So on a dark and stormy day in a place where Susan lives that's very rarely like that, um, if you guys have ever hung out around Atlanta, you know that it's hard to uh, get a stormy day. Um, She really just takes kids through this very cool lesson um, to get into the mind of why an author would use setting in the way that Shelley did in Frankenstein. Enjoy!
6: Hi fellow ELA teachers, Bryn Allison, the literary maven here. I like to do a writing activity on Halloween. Because although I teach sixth grade, I still think that older kids should get to enjoy some of the holiday fun, just like the little kids. This year, as always, I'm pushing my students to write and rewrite, look at their word choice, choose stronger language, add sensory details. Uh, So on Halloween, the writing activity I do connects to those skill building activities. Last year, I had my students write two sentence horror stories, and that's what I'll be doing again this year. To set the mood, I pick out some spooky music from YouTube. There's a ton of choices on there. I start out introducing two-sentence scary stories by showing students just a few examples. I show them one that uses dialogue, one that is fairly short, and one that has a little more description. I don't like to show them too many examples because then they'll struggle to come up with their own ideas. For that same reason, the examples I show them are not the spookiest either. I really want students' work to be better than the examples I show them. And you can find tons of examples online. After looking at examples, students brainstorm a plot for their two-sentence story. They respond to a series of questions covering the who, what, when, where, and why. Then they write a first draft. Next up is peer revisions. Students swap papers with a peer who identifies places to add sensory details, possibilities for stronger language, after getting a peer's feedback, students write a second draft, which must be approved by me before they can write out and decorate a final copy. I put in this approval step mostly to just make sure nothing inappropriate is written, but last year I also had to keep telling my students that their story wasn't actually spooky. I hope this inspires you to do something a little on the spooky and fun side with your students this year.
7: Hello, everybody. My name is Susan Barber. I am from Grady High School in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks, Amanda, for letting me share with y'all today. So I call this exercise Writing Romantically with a capital R, as I always distinguish with my students. And this is something that I started last year. I don't know about you, but inspiration just hits like when, um, sometimes like at the most unexpected moments. And I was walking into school, we're studying Frankenstein, we're reading Frankenstein. It was one of these days. You know, it's not cold here, but it was gray and overcast and super foggy. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like a cold and dreary night in November. Like this is exactly the kind of feeling that um, the day had, the same thing Shelly had been writing about. And one of the things that my students had a difficult time understanding or making um you know a connection with was why does Mary Shelley really use um why is she describing you know the setting so much and I had done a lot of talking about this mirrors what's going on inside of the person etc but when I came in this day I'm like this is the day to really. Let them have a firsthand experience with the setting. So what we did is I told my students, I said, um, today's weather is really dreary. And also, it's like, you know, the end of October, 1st of November, a lot of you are dragging lately, like the reality of school had set in, college apps, I teach seniors, college apps had set in. And so I said, I feel like today's weather is really reflective of a lot of your emotional states. So I'm going to give you 10 minutes to go outside. And I want you to capture some type of image in today's quote setting in the weather that you capturing, you know, just the feel, the mood that the weather was creating, so that it reflects your emotional state. And it also is going to showcase somehow, you know, the weather, the setting. So those were the two components. And I said, you can also consider using props, whatever you want to use for inspiration. And think about Frankenstein, like some of these setting passages that had, um, have confused you. Like think about that and think about how you can showcase what's going on inside of you through taking a photograph. Outside. Now, this was last year when we were in the classroom. I still think it would work. It would be great virtually as well. Like, whatever I, we're a hundred percent virtual here and whatever I can do, um, you know, to get students to share like pictures. Like, I can just, I, I can see us doing this in a couple of weeks and all of my students putting up different pictures that they've taken. And we have this like, On a dock in our classroom. So when I open our virtual classroom through Zoom, like we're all, all of our pictures are in the same space, like just like in a classroom. So I love that added um, benefit of doing this assignment virtually. So then we went to part two. Part two was, you know, now we've thought about like, Shelley's diction, syntax, her nod to nature, and how these reflect the character stole, um, the character's state of mind and soul. So what I want you to do is find some of Shelley's sentences that acts as a mentor text to you. And then you write a piece mimicking that, mimicking her style. And let's see what you come up with. So you're going to be writing romantically, capital R. And when you're finished with that, I wanted my students to do a two or three sentence summary of the moves that they made as a writer that were inspired by Shelley. I think this activity really helped my students understand um, why Shelley was writing why she referred to setting, why she went back to that. It also gave us a way to dig in to her style and talk about her syntax and diction. Because once they're in the writer's seat employing this, like they really understand the tools and the strategies she uses as a writer. Um, I am going to link pictures and everything on my website, APLithelp.com. If you're not an AP teacher, don't worry. Come on, check it out over there. There'll be um, slides ready to use, pictures, student samples. So thank you, and I hope all of you have a really good Gothic fall.
1: Well, friends, we cannot be more grateful for our guest contributors today. And I know that some of you are probably really chomping at the bit. You wanna see more of what these amazing educators have. So if you head over to bravenewteaching.com, we have all of their contact information where you can find their blogs, their social media profiles, and more information about them um, on today's show notes, as well as that download that I mentioned earlier with the telltale heart and the listening skills, comparing and contrasting, All of that will be, once again, at bravenewteaching.com. Take a look at our show notes for today's episode. And uh, we hope to see you guys posting some fun, gothic, lit, Activities and lessons that you're doing with your class. And please tag us at Brave New Teaching on Instagram when you do so, so that we can give you shout outs and we can just keep growing this Brave New Teaching community. Speaking of which, if you have a moment, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps other teachers find us and become a part of this Brave New Teaching community Um, because you guys are awesome and who wouldn't want to be with you guys? who listen to this amazing podcast, if I don't say so myself.
0: When you guys head over to those show notes, make sure that you also connect with our friends today that we brought on this episode. Uh, follow them on social media. Tag them if you try one of their ideas. You can always reach out to these guys too, who are now de facto co-hosts of our podcast as well. They would love to be in touch with you. They're really amazing, active and uh, connected teachers. So make sure that you take the time to reach out to them. If you were in inspired by something that they share today. You guys have a wonderful day and we will
1: see you next time.